Welcome to Nouveau Shamanic Cinema with Rosa Lewis and Josefa Vaud. In this episode, we watched The Green Knight. The Green Knight is a very trippy film that felt very much like a direct transmission from the soul realm. In the episode, we discuss phenomenal opacity and transparency, as well as the main plotline of the movie, which was getting your head chopped off as a metaphor for being in a non-dual flow state with meaning. Hope you enjoy. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Nouveau Shamanic Cinema. My name is Joseph Vort. And I'm Rosa Lewis. And we have come together today to discuss The Green Knight, a 2021 film by David Lowry, which is a film adaptation of the story Sir Gawain and the Green Knight, which is an Arthurian legend. And yeah, we are engaging with this film because it has a very dreamlike spacey strange quality and we watched the film together a while back and we've just sort of rewatched it a bit to refresh our memory and the reason why we didn't record the episode right after we watched it is because i guess we were a bit like and especially maybe you how do we talk about this or it was in a way too familiar is that right Mm, yeah 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 it's interesting so i feel like one of the things maybe to bring in as a concept that feels helpful for talking about this film is the idea of phenomenal transparency and opacity Mm -hmm. so this is an idea originally from thomas metzinger is it and then our friend aiden has also written some things around it around psychedelics and essentially it's like opacity in experience is when you can see your experience for what it is so it's almost kind of like in mindfulness practice if you're feeling angry it's like the ability to see that you're angry and name it and say like oh there's anger there it's a very kind of like classic mindfulness technique i suppose and then transparency is like the ability to just be in your experience with no barriers between you and it so it's sort of like a flow state would be a really strong transparent experience or i guess the equivalent in a practice thing would be like like a shadow work therapy type thing where you're really getting into your anger and expressing it and becoming it yeah so there's a way in which experience can be opacity or transparent and then those two things can kind of dance dance together in different ways and for me there's something in this film that was just like really high transparency and when I was watching it it sort of it's kind of filmed almost like a dream and in the way that when you're in a dream you don't question the dream even though really strange stuff is happening you're just sort of like going along with the narrative it felt really directly a lot like dreaming and yeah we sort of ended up I guess just talking about that or sort of like getting pulled off into into a different world rather than recording so that's maybe like an interesting thing to talk about and I guess maybe to mention as well we did a micro dose or like quite a small dose of travels so we're in the Netherlands where it's legal to do truffles and we took some truffles before watching it. So I think that that probably increased the transparency yeah. <laughs> because it has a very sort of like trippy, dreamy vibe and it was turning that dial up even more. Yeah, and the transparency thing is super interesting because a way to understand transparency, it, uh, the way that I would say it is that it's like being the story. I think dreams are a really good example, especially if you're not very lucid in your dreams. Mm-hmm. A dream is a high transparency experience because you're completely in that story, right? and in that experience so yeah really interesting so maybe just a sort of the story is sir gawain well he's not a sir yet he's a to be knight but he 
he's part of the King Arthur household, let's say. And he's the child of Morgan or Morgana, the sort of court witch, I guess you could say. And he is a bit of a, you know, good for nothing, just hanging around. You know, that's his life, a little bit superficial, just enjoying sort of like things. And, and But, uh, you know, there's some insecurity there about not really having a story to tell. Like at some mm. point, Arthur asks him to, you know, he wants to get to know him better, he's, but he has no story to tell. And then on Christmas Day, a knight appears, a green knight, sort of like a forest creature, like a forest elemental, a tree elemental. Right? Yeah, it's almost like a walking tree. Yeah, like an ant yeah. with a massive axe. Mm-hmm. Uh, appears to, to sort of put a challenge or a game out to the court, uh, to the round table, to say, you can duel me, and then if you hit me, then a year hence... I will be able to hit you back. And if it was a little cut, it will be a little cut. And if it's a big cut, it's a big cut. And it seems like Morgan is behind this. She's essentially summoned this elemental creature to give her son the opportunity for heroism. And he goes for it, uh, but he gets a bit overzealous and he gets Excalibur, gets Arthur's sword, and he cuts off the Green Knight's head. And then, you know, he has to then meet the Green Knight at the Green Chapel a year from now to meet his doom, essentially. So he goes on a trip and lots of weird things happen. So that's the story. It's very episodic. And we were uh, talking about this before, but the first time I saw it, I was like, what do I think of this movie? It's certainly interesting. It's visually really interesting, but it's it's incredibly episodic and sort of all over the place. And it felt maybe a little bit style over substance. Mm-hmm. But apparently the original Sir Gawain and the, and the Green Knight story is really much more like that. So it's mm. very, very episodic. And this is already a little bit more thematically coherent. But watching it again, I felt like there was a lot more thematic depth to it that I maybe wasn't really aware of the first time. Maybe a bit of a, a, a lazy watch the first time I watched it. Yeah, I think it's really great there's lots of resonance to talk about yeah yeah it's interesting as well because i feel like it, the bit that feels very kind of transparent to me is my like deepest altered states of consciousness that i was in where the intellect and the mind was really switched off and it was just this sort of like almost kind of like soul level transmission of things happening there's a way that the camera was shot kind of like focusing on details and like the story was playing out from quite a distributed place it almost wasn't like catching a linear time unfolding of events from a fixed perspective it was almost like jumping between characters and places and little bits of plot and you're sort of not sure where the thing's coming from but you're just kind of like a detail a detail a detail (laughs) and to me it's almost like there's something where that folds in where it feels like the story of getting your head chopped off feels somehow metaphorical also for going into the soul realm and just sort of like letting go of the control of the mind and so there's some way in which the whole thing kind of becomes this like thematic thing of him going on a quest to let go of control a bit and sort of be open but the whole thing's almost filmed in this style as if it's trying to get your mind to let go of control by just giving you a load of like metaphorical stuff that doesn't make that much sense and is very non-linear and is very like mystical and trippy and yeah it was sort of like sow a little seed of something that's going to happen a bit later but it's not done in the way that that's normally done in a film where it's kind of like this is the plot because also there's there's some characters that kind of shift in between so clearly his mum is sort of doing some witchcraft behind the scenes to sort of influence the story and then it's like how much influence she has, how much she knows she's sending him on. There's a point where he becomes a friends with a fox. 
And there's like, is that his mum? Is that a part of him? Is that another woman who had her head chopped off? It's sort of all very kind of like fluid and, and unclear. You never really get any answers or anything like for your mind to grasp on and go like, oh, I know what's happening here. So it's like every time you start to get an idea of that, it just, just sort of folds into something else. It's interesting to have a film like that and then also for the theme to be about chopping heads off that, that just struck me as a cool metaphor yeah 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 the headless way yeah really interesting uh, you're expressing something that really resonates with me which is uh, that sense of confusion mm. right and and indeterminateness mm-hmm. that is really there and i think that he really is an interesting hero in this story because he's really out of his depth the whole mm-hmm. time <laughs> confused and doesn't have the backbone for stuff and the moral clarity and but it's also like being in a dream and being in almost in the wrong place and being like how do i get out of here yeah and that sense of just confusion like there are many sort of situations that are just strange where it's hard to determine what is really meant to be going on or what is the point or anything and i think that's really wonderful i think that you know that doesn't get expressed maybe that often but that that feels very dreamlike where you're just mm. like i can have nightmares but they're not really nightmares but just really confusing where the scary bit or the sort of like difficult bit is just being like what what what's going on you know yeah there's something as well about the different chapters and the different themes there's lots of themes of like manipulation and control and kind of like Mm. which all feel related to it's like letting go of control or seeing that almost like part of the the journey that he's on is to sort of find that and face it and unravel it somehow yeah and that's interesting because i think the take that it's about control is maybe an an unusual take but that one that we both recognize because i think you could say more straightforwardly that it's about uh, courage or something Mm -hmm. right just the courage to face up to you know destiny or whatever Mm -hmm. i think control is an interesting perspective on it because of that sort of like metaphor of headlessness Mm -hmm. and control and fear being very connected with this person and it feels like the bit at the end as well so he ends up getting to the green chapel and finding the green knight and then there's a moment where he's got on a belt he's been given that keeps him protected and he can't ha- come to any harm when he's wearing that and so and he ends up essentially running away not coming to any harm and lives out this whole set of events which is in one sense his destiny he's kind of getting everything he wants children becoming king kind of all these things sort of ticking the boxes but there's a way that yeah they feel very empty before he does that that he asks the, the question is is this all there is and it's almost like a yeah a return to life and being like in the kind of emptiness of yeah fear control all of those things and then it turns out that essentially that was a vision and he's pulled back into being in the green chapel with the green knight and having seen all of that he's like yeah i'm ready i'm ready to ready to go ready to take off the the thing that's keeping me safe and finds his courage or his willingness to face the thing he needs to face i guess yeah interesting and and when i think about letting go of control i think of the idea of uh, everything happening by itself mm. and that you know you let go of control and the way your head's cut off mm-hmm. right? and then whatever happens then just happens mm-hmm. and so in a way that's part of why maybe we i mean that's not why but that's the way that we could think about how uh, why you don't see what happens afterward mm-hmm. uh, because it's just going to happen you know it's yep. just going to flow and there was a real sense with that sort of vision that he had that there was a resistance to everything that was going on Mm -hmm. Uh, but so there was it was like reality was out of sync with itself right it was closed-hearted but also sort of out of sync with itself and that that doesn't really line up yeah and the themes of the sort of the control of perhaps the 
mother having created the whole thing to sort of get that series of events to play out from a kind of like narcissistic mother wanting her son to be a huge success and, and tick all the boxes of being king and da 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 there was like elements of the control there that he had to let go of and I guess other people's control over him as well but I also really liked what you said about the belt being vulnerability which I guess is that's almost like the move to let go of control isn't it it's like you're allowing yourself to be vulnerable yeah really interesting uh, that belt of course plays up a lot and there's a moment at the end of the film where he takes off the belt and his head falls off immediately so in a way the moment he ran away from the chapel in his vision which we assume is a vision he was dead already except the lack of vulnerability kept that situation under control so the rest of his life was in a way also a headless life yeah really interesting there is something really fascinating about in a dreamlike film like this to have a character who basically is a good for nothing failure you know doesn't etc but then his ability to seemingly see the future at least that's how you could interpret it saving him so there's a few moments i think where that happens so this clearly in the end he sort of sees his whole life play out and then he he makes that decision if that's how we can interpret that and the other one is a little bit less sort of spelled out maybe but when he's tied up in the woods and the camera turns around and then suddenly there's a skeleton there there's something interesting there about what is the role of seeing ahead and imagining sort of your using your imagination to see the consequences of your actions and of your life play out Mm, yeah there's something about openness and acceptance almost like the scene where he sees himself dead it's almost like in the same way a kind of ego death it then becomes a rebirth that you go through the other side Mm. it's almost like by really it playing out inside of you in a certain way it almost releases the the trapped energy inside you oh and that's interesting so i'm sort of imagining gawain as being you know a bit of a bumbler or whatever but maybe you know i'm just imagining his internality as sort of like he's like this highly sensitive person Mm. who uh, uh you know dulls his senses with drink and you know as lots of people do and you know diversion but maybe his power is that he's living in complete transparency where the film doesn't really show what is real or not that he is so in the moment or not not so in the moment but so living in that sort of transparency in that sort of narrative it just feels interesting that he's maybe going through life a bit like a dreamer mm. and yeah and this is his reality uh, but it, it also gives him the possibility to sort of see what might happen to really live through that experience before it can happen somehow so maybe to bring in some other elements as well there's like certain things almost like little things that they use that feel relatable to that for me where it's almost like little memes like the meme of the fox Mm. that you sort of see you meet the fox and then there's images of foxes everywhere and it's it's almost like little bits left around by the story that are like the fox the fox the fox is kind of like echoing through in the same way that it does in a dream or an old state of consciousness and like the phased quality of it where it's almost like the mood of each of the sections is almost like different films or something like there's a whole bit where he's just out in the wilderness on his own in a storm and um and then he like finds these huge giants like walking across the landscape and has like a really sort of strange interaction with them and another phase where he kind of meets this woman in this strange place and she's also had her head chopped off but her head's on and the woman's sort of saying to him you need to get get my head and he's like but it's on your shoulders and she's like it's not it's not (laughs) so there's this sort of like strange mood and he has to like dive into the lake to to get her head out and yeah it's almost like these different moods where it's almost like got that sense of impermanence to it 
where nothing holds from one bit to the next. He's just fully in the world that he's in and he's not sort of questioning it or kind of like, huh, you know, yesterday I was in this completely different realm and now I'm in this realm. It's just sort of like a fluid unfolding of different metaphors in a way. Yeah, he's just sort of like stumbling and bumbling through all these completely different situations. Like Mm -hmm. there's a sense and I especially got that when we were reviewing the, the, the movie together just now that it's really like a personal experience for him where it om- it's almost like everything conspires to give him a lesson right mm-hmm. and the, the reality status of what's going on is entirely unclear and it becomes weirder and weirder in a way like at some point he ends up in this beautiful castle with this sort of like you know swinger couple uh, we were making that joke about it that they're like a little bit like we saw you from across the room really liked your vibe that's what it turned out to be i mean in the beginning you feel like it's this sort of like classic powerful man with a seductive wife and it's forbidden fruit kind of thing but it turns out not to be like that at all they're both into him but they're also very strange they're like these mythical beings Mm -hmm. and the lady is the same actress as his girlfriend from back home and she reads and writes lots of books and she takes a photograph of him which is very strange for the time so it's almost like they're in, in a different sort of timeless era or something yeah this just very strange there's something uh, profoundly unreal about the whole thing i mean i think also about guinevere reading the green knight's letter and suddenly getting that green knight's voice and her eyes are turning sort of milky green or whatever what is what is sort of real here right it's it's very yeah yeah i think it's interesting because i think it is a film that is frustrating to the mind Mm. but i think that that frustration is almost well who knows whether it's intentional or not because i think there's ways where i've seen movies before that are sort of they're kind of taking you on an emotional journey in a very intentional way that allows your mind to sort of switch off and go with the flow whereas this is more like actively kind of like breaking your logic process which gives it a different vibe I think and it's sometimes it's like confusing or frustrating or overwhelming or sort of kind of doesn't shy away from hitting on those themes and yeah it also has a bit of a horror film energy where it's not shot like an action film in its style it has the music and the tone and the feel of a horror film which gives it that more like nightmare feel so that was interesting yeah kind of like dark myth Mm. nightmare kind of experience yeah for sure I'm sort of thinking about to what degree this film you know or the story let's say is entirely Gawain's coming of age sort of story in a way where there's something about self-involvement there somehow Mm -hmm. where when an entire world becomes your dream journey yeah there's something there which is quite interesting right the entire reality is there to teach you a lesson what are the realities of other people in this story really do they really exist in that way yeah it's interesting because it starts very self-involved. Yeah. As the story goes on, it's like, yeah, a little bit more dignity and poise is sort of starting to come in. But mm. it's, I think one of the things it doesn't give you, he's not the, like a super likable character that you're really behind, are you? It's kind of hard to watch in a way. And then, yeah, the sort of like different forces that are at play it's fascinating, I guess. I think what stands out to me is the decentralized aspect of it. Almost like the different forces and who's in control of what and what's 
unfolding. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, of course, there is the Green Knight as a sort of avatar of nature coming with this game, right? So if you cut me with a, a scratch, I'll get you a scratch back. But he cuts off his head, so his head has to go off. And it's, it's simply, you know, that's simply the way it is. And it's an interesting thing to feel into. And it's a very kindly character in a way, it seems like, yeah. you know, very, very likable somehow. Also intimidating, of course. And of course, there's all kinds of abstract sort of allegory going on where there with the power of nature and the inescapability of death and impermanence and stuff like that. Yeah, but I wonder, to me, that sort of game or that sort of quest is a, a really interesting thing to feel into because just imagine if you would have just given him a scratch and then he would have gone to the Green Chapel to get a scratch and that would have been it, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, there's an inevitability almost that he would cut off the Green Knight's head because that's what needs to happen. Yeah, totally. It's almost like the whole thing is that he's a bit sort of like useless, not getting going with his life. But then it's almost like the beats of the things that he's given are so unavoidable. So it's like just before the king and queen were like, you know, you really need to find your legend, live it, da da da. Mm. And then of course, just then the green knight comes in and he can't refuse it. And then it's like, yeah, the little sort of like clues and beats that he's given, I think just before he goes into the green chapel, the fox says to him, you know, take that belt off. And he's like, no, I didn't want to do that. Mm. <laughs> and the, the fox is like, well, why wouldn't you want to? It's sort of like everything's kind of like given as a pre idea almost. The inevitability plus that sort of like decentralized, your mind can't land anywhere. It's almost like with the head chopping off by nature, it's kind of like the only thing you can surrender to is everything happening by itself. It's all this unfolding of story, I suppose. Yeah, really interesting. It reminds me of a description of a meditation by uh, Shenzhen Yang. So Shenzhen Yang has a an interesting description of do nothing meditation, which is a, a meditation where you, you know, you try not to do anything. Mm-hmm. So also not, you also don't try to not, like it, it gets very paradoxical because it's like, you're not trying to meditate. You're not trying to not meditate. Mm-hmm. You're not trying to c- control that process either. You're just being, right? You're just letting things flow. And then he describes it almost like nature grows a hand to press the off button on your doing. Mm. And I think that's a nice metaphor. Yeah, that's nice. It's a little bit like what's happening here with the, with the green knight cutting off your head. Yeah. Like, it's like the, the transformation process of your practice simply emerges and having the courage to let that happen is related i think to letting your head be cut off yeah that's nice there's a lot there i think about uh, the vulnerability to let life happen the entire sequence where he has run away he has kept the belt on and he lives his life in this heartless disconnected dissociated way and everyone is a little bit like that the whole world becomes a bit dissociated and war and death and yeah there's a way in which that is very real for many people i think as an experience Mm -hmm. to live like that i have certainly had periods where i can relate to being you know being like that with that crown in your head or whatever but being able to step into the flow of life and let happen whatever happens which could be really amazing like i sometimes worry about people sometimes people around me have pain and and suffering uh, because of the choices that they've made that were bound to be maybe more difficult so such as in love for instance but i'm still happier that they did it rather than you know the real worry is sometimes when people are not able to be vulnerable and they're just in their patterns yeah it's almost like the call to courage because there's a there's a bit of a seeming paradox there where it's almost like to really surrender and let everything happen 
requires a level of courage and it's like stepping forward because you could kind of argue the bit at the start where he's just messing around and drinking and blah 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 and like not doing anything with his life there's a perspective you could take where it's like oh that's that's him just letting stuff happen but it's almost like the control of not engaging with life or something that's Mm. like a way of Mm. a subtle yeah way of control isn't it yeah yeah exactly and i think there's a whole monologue by the uh, lady in that fancy <laughs> fancy house in a castle uh, with the hunting husband and everything the sort of uh, uh, out of time place that's very unclear where they wear modern sweaters sweaters and whatever where she has this really suddenly this very sort of like intense almost angry monologue about nature green taking over everything and where there was the red of passion then there's the green of nature there's a way in which that is really intimidating and, and it can be a bit like, oh, you know, death is always coming and blah, blah, and nature versus society, maybe. But what if you just say, okay, then I'm going to be part of nature. I'm mm. going to be on team nature, you know, yeah. and I'm just going to be part of that flow, which means also dying and getting subsumed and, and consumed by, by the earth and whatever. You know, I always like these questions, but uh, what does it mean for you to be the Green Knight? It feels related to the bit of me that has some Kali energy, uh-huh. the head chopping off, the just like truth, fierceness, no messing. You think you're in control, but you're not kind of energy that's really cutting through. And I like how the Green Knight has the sort of gamification elements. Yeah, he like, I guess, sets up the game and is kind of, it's like a fun thing. And I, I mean, also the fact that it's not the Green Knight setting up the game. He's just another aspect of the nature clearly he's not the mastermind behind it and so it's almost just like that sense of being that force of nature almost like calling people into dignity courage chopping off the bits that need to die that are more kind of controlling or resistant i feel an affinity there yeah yeah (laughs) how about you i can certainly feel an affinity with the green knight i Mm -hmm. certainly also feel an affinity with gawain i have that side uh, this sort of, or or at least let let me put it like this. Maybe I I am not objectively like that, but I have an inner critic who tells mm. me I'm like a Gawain type fish out of water, a superficial person. Uh, but I definitely also have that Green Knight side, and it's really interesting to have the two. Right, I think if you can have an internal sort of dynamic where your inner coward. <laughs> or superficial control person tells the other one, please cut off my head. That's quite nice. Yeah, that's Mm -hmm. nice. And then the green knight can smile and be like, off with your head, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, almost more from the sense of a dream or everything being an internal family systems of your, the inner world. Uh, Yeah, and I'm I'm just thinking about sort of being that green knight yourself where, so I I talk a lot about this idea of seriousness and playfulness uh, being connected. and, uh, And I think that's sort of like a game of life and death Mm-hmm. where what you take is what you give back kind of thing where you can make it as serious as you want and so in a way Gawain let me put it like this I don't think he took it very seriously but he made it very serious by sort of going rashly for glory or whatever but the lighter touch and the sort, sort of more playful wisdom might have served him in a way right but there's something about the whole story which is you also sort of like hinted at a little bit where there is an inevitability to it because he is the person he is so in that moment he would have never done anything different than cut off the knight's head and the whole situation it's like a little bit like a nightmare where you're like oh you know the dominoes are falling <laughs> like shit everything is sort of fated to be just this really difficult uh, challenging thing yeah really interesting 
I'm just wondering about whether it's interesting so to bring in the kind of transparency and opacity thing there's almost like a meta thing where I guess it's almost like this podcast is a way where we're we're sort of becoming more transparent with the films by watching them as dreams or imaginal practice. That's right. We're kind of like becoming more transparent. And then I guess afterwards by recording something, we're then becoming more opaque. opaque. Yeah. But it, but it's interesting because the thing that's becoming opaque is not the film in the way that we're not like film critics. We're actually making the experience of kind of like becoming one with the film, the opaque thing. And like, what's the sort of subjective experience of that? And that's just like a very interesting dance between the transparency and the, and the opacity and it reminds me of imaginal practice where yeah like the questions with shared imaginal practice and the general kind of guiding is designed to be a conversation between body and metaphor or like the physical and the abstract and it's sort of like doing a dance between the transparent and the opaque in a way that reveals how that's what reality is doing as well and yeah I don't know just all of those themes were kind of coming through as as an interesting thing as more uh, in in a way i guess much more clearly than maybe would be the case otherwise because it's so transparently opaque uh so right it's it's uh, it's or sort of opaquely transparent whatever like it's this sort of strange meaning isn't quite clear but you're sort of really in it really vibing with the metaphorical nature of the film yeah it's it, it is basically like a dream uh, dream experience and the, the episodic quality. It makes me wonder a little bit about, because I know one, one thing that really intrigued me, Rosa, that you said a while ago on Twitter was uh, that story isn't the primary carrier of meaning. Hmm. And that, you know, we talked about that a bit at the time when we watched this film for the first time, that that's sort of related to this, right? There's these little memes and these little sort of carriers of meaning, these little snippets that are so, almost sort of the primary messenger. And I wonder if you have anything to say about that because that feels really relevant. Right, yeah. It feels like lots of moments in the film are very visceral. There's a way that the thing that you're sort of taking away from it, it's not intellectual in the way that it's the story makes sense. It's just a character will come on and you'll have like a very strong visceral reaction to them. There's a really like creepy psychopathic kid who immediately, as soon as he came on, like my skin started to crawl. I was just like, oh no, this feels not good. And like every moment that he's on, on the screen, it, there's just like a visceral reaction. And I think with the swingers couple as well, it sort of just has that like eros and like in everything where you're kind of like just feeling the transmission of all these different people. It sort of hits you on that more body level. Uh, yeah, that's interesting. It's almost like there's a sense in which Gawain w almost wants to dissociate through life and the world is just going, no, I'm just <laughs> going to grab you and be really gross. Sort of like intensity, intensity, connection, it sort of demands intense connection of him. Yeah. When he's, he just, he's just happy, well, not happy, but he's just, you know, going through life slightly dissociated. Mm -hmm. It's like there's no escape for him, you know. Yeah, there's something interesting here about the interplay and the shadows of each of opacity and truth transparency, where if you do too much opacity stuff, it's kind of like the mindfulness trap where mm. you become just a witness, a dissociated witness. If you only do transparency stuff, then you're sort of lost in the goop of life and you don't have enough space to kind of see what's happening and, and make intelligent choices and have space to like respond to things it's almost like the dance between making things very visible to him you know when he meets the creepy kid and and his little crew it's like you have to sort of face the embodied sense of 
just like feeling the bodily level of what was happening there because you know he ends up attacking him and tying him up there's not, nothing you can do to sort of escape that you can't dissociate from that situation so it has that sort of like transparency pulling him into his experience vibe but it's also the opacity of just like seeing so clearly then when he's signed up like shit if I don't do something about this I'm gonna die it's almost like having these moments interspersed between those things teaches him a lesson through that sort of dance between that's really interesting because the the, the moments he tries to sort of run away from like that or that few moments where he seems to have a sort of like gift of foresight which is interesting as the son of a witch mm-hmm. you know kind of thing his sort of like I'd rather not kind of thing um, then gets resolved by having a vision about the future uh, which is very real to him or seems to be very real to him so there's sort of like that there, there is that dance as well between mm. not wanting to be in the moment and then the, what the consequences would be of not being in the moment convinces him to sort of take action and to be in the moment. Which is interesting to me as someone who uh, lives in the past and the future a lot mentally, where I feel sometimes discriminated against by the, a, a Zen teacher that I once knew a long time ago, once called the present moment mafia. <laughs> uh, you know, where, where it's just like, oh, just be, be embodied, be in the present. When uh, I think, you know, from a sort of transparency perspective, those sort of like imagined futures are very much part of present experience, right? Yeah, totally. And also even, I think in the way, one of the things that resonates about this movie is is like the way that sort of memes come through in the present moment and sort of, yeah, it feels related to the story not being the, the unit of meaning. Almost as if the thinking about the future or thinking about the past is a little bit of meaning that's being sort of like dropped into the present moment for you to see something that's present now or that needs to be felt now or that needs to be considered now. That is really psychedelic, mm. right? Where the, the past, the present and the future no longer are distinguished and it's just a sense of meaning mm-hmm. and, and connections and consequences and resonances, etc., coming to play. Mm-hmm. The, the the perspective of the seer in a way, yeah, yeah the psychedelic, the seer, you know, the witch, whatever being able to sort of see truth in the moment through the future through the past and uh, connecting it all and that's very uh, very much a transparency thing i would say mm-hmm. yeah wow it is uh, <laughs> a strange movie lots of resonance yeah but, uh, yeah confusion and episodic and indeterminate and inescapable and real dreamy as hell so that was, uh, that was a green night. Thank you so much. Very interesting film to talk about. A little difficult to talk about, yeah. right? It, it, we, as we expected. Yeah. It's hard to speak about something so somehow open and episodic. Yeah, it's sort of a difficult thing to grasp. Yeah, it's almost like the magic of it is that it's ungraspable. Mm. And then anything that you tried to do either get your head around while you're watching it or when you're talking about it or anything it just sort of yeah disappears in your hand in a certain way yeah because obviously we could be talking about this film in a way that would that would be much more about oh the theme of humans versus nature or you know all this kind of stuff that's much more sort of flat you know and the legend and this and that but but we are approaching it in this sort of the way that you described it which is fully going into the transparency and then looking at our 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 experience from a sort of opacity perspective when you do that it doesn't really allow you to pin definite meanings to it that much. Mm-hmm. That's sort of the point, I yeah. think. Yeah. Right? Yeah. There is lots of, we have talked about lots and we have been able to discuss lots about it uh, regardless, but there is a real sense in which I almost feel the film 
actively resisting that that conversation. Yeah, totally. This to me is summarized by the ending where it doesn't give you the satisfying ending where you can make sense of it. You're like not sure at the end whether he's had his head chopped off or not, whether it was a game, whether he's dead. There's nothing for you to grasp. It's kind of like purposefully left wide open. I guess just showing how the whole thing is like leaving things wide open. and. But it's not vague in a sense where it's just like art housey vague. Right. You no, know, yeah. and that's, and yeah. I guess that's, that's the, the point. Yeah. yeah, but where it's not like, oh, multiple interpretations, who knows? Mm -hmm. mm, no, 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 there's something else going on. There is yeah. that sort of openness of a dream that's very specific. It has an energetic openness to it. It feels sort of like an open energy channel somehow. Yeah, it's sort of like very French art house film. It's almost like leaving lots of space for things to be seen in lots of different ways. Whereas this is almost like you can't sort of see it with your mind. You can only like feel it with your body and sort of like in the kind of soul realm of metaphor and myth. And it, that doesn't mean that you can't feel what it's evoking. It's just not processed in the same way. Yeah. And I think that that turns in on itself in the way that you're taken on the emotional journey that Garwain is taken on and you have the sort of same confusion the same frustrations the same then then the sort of metaphors where the woman who he meets who has the head chopped off there's sort of like interactions between them where it, it feels like they're voicing the frustrations that you're feeling watching it and kind of like playing that out through the film there's a way that it, it just all folds in more and more and more in this very rich, rich way yeah and it reminds me of a quote by i guess a friend of the show and maybe you could say michael taft who, uh, who who said on twitter the other day and i really love that quote i don't know i'm paraphrasing but there's a level at which awkwardness becomes psychoactive and i think that really summarizes that sort of gawain's sort of like out of place awkwardness with everything and what's going on and this it has a very sort of like trippy sort of psychoactive perspective and experience well thanks so much everyone this was nouveau shamanic cinema uh, talking about the green knight see you soon bye, bye. thanks for listening in the words of the green knight well done my brave knights Hope you enjoyed this quest and we will see you next time at the Nouveau Shamanic Cinema. Bye!